The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he's starting to see things because he's told me he just saw a little girl outside our door, but there's no one there. So she was what, an inch tall? Something like that. Are you feeling all right? I think so. Is this pre-wedding jitters? I don't know. Six, eight months in advance? I don't know. Be like, are my glasses working? Yes. I hope so. Working. I thought I saw something. Crazy is what you are. <laughs> Get in line, pal. <laughs> Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who uh, just likes to go out in the back, the backyard and hang out with the cat. Welcome to Well, when you, when uh, the best things in life is just finding a nice sunbeam to lay down in, in the grass, I mean, True. can you blame me? Nope. I'm sorry. My spirit animal is a cat in search of a sunbeam. Such things <laughs> exist. And by that, I mean spirit animals. Yes. Uh, yeah, today we are reviewing the film, uh, The Secret World of Arietti. Yeah. This is our last film of uh, Miyazaki and Ghibli mm-hmm. Month this year. Uh, and then we're going to be reviewing something special in our TAS segment, so stay yeah. tuned for that. Uh, anyway, you want to just go ahead and jump into this thing? Yeah, let's do that. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. This is actually my second viewing of this movie. Okay. I actually got this was the 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 only other Disney released Studio Ghibli film I got to see in theaters. Every really? other one was after it went to G Kids. Okay. So, uh, and I went simply because it's like, oh, it's Studio Ghibli. And I and at that time I thought all Studio Ghibli was Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize this wasn't Miyazaki. No. He wrote the he wrote the screenplay for it, but it's not a Miyazaki made uh, directed film, right? Uh, and this isn't his son either. This is some other guy. Yeah, and actually, he was younger than Goro was when he when Goro directed uh, Tales from Earthsea. Mm-hmm. So, because this guy was actually the youngest director in Studio Ghibli history, really. Yeah. Except for pot, well, no, because the the one from Ocean Waves, even though that was all meant to be younger people, was still one of the senior members. But anyway, gotcha. So, yeah, uh, I know nothing about what it comes from. Yeah, I think last week I actually messed up and said that this was based on the same franchise as the Indian in the cupboard. I'm completely wrong there. This is the same franchise that did the Borrowers, which is what the mm-hmm. book is, what the movie is based yes. on that book. Which I've not seen that movie either. So, say la vie. Uh, but yeah, this was a, f- a fun little movie. Uh, I've got some issues, which we'll get to, but for yes. the most part, it was it was a fun time. Yeah, I I do suggest it if you're looking for a intro Studio Ghibli movie. Maybe not the best example of what Studio Ghibli can do, but mm. either way. Uh, what are your uh, thoughts on this one? My spoiler-free thoughts on the secret life of Arietti. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Um, or secret world of Arietti. Secret world of Arietti. That's right. Secret world of Arietti. Which is only the English name. 
yeah the, this was my first time watching it there again i had never heard of this film before it got put in the docket and which is interesting because yeah. you gave me a movie poster for this that is film. true it's well i still in my closet i hadn't had a chance to get it put up but yeah okay so i i, I correct myself because be like i was at a uh studio a uh a uh, movie studio mm-hmm. and every once in a while i'll be like hey do you have any movie posters like, yeah sure go check it out and i found this one had no idea what it was i know what studio ghibli was it was like the secret world of variety it's like okay so and then we started doing the podcast and then it's like oh drew like that he likes you know anime and mm-hmm. ghibli stuff he'll, he'll like uh, this by this point we had not actually made uh, edit um reviewed a ghibli film no yet. we hadn't yet i had had it on the dice as well as the dice worked for that sort of thing yeah but... oh that was fun yeah yeah back in the day when you we used to use dice mm-hmm. uh so yeah i i i I had a poster i had heard i'd seen a poster of the film never seen a lick of footage and then it gets put on the docket for ghibli month this year and i watched it i believe the other day and I was like, "Wow, this is a this is a good movie. It's a well animated. It's well animated, well animated, very good story. It's a Ghibli film through and through. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Drew said before, it's like you know, uh, Hayao Miyazaki or his son are not involved with it. Oh, correction, be like he did write the screenplay. He did write the screenplay. He did write the screenplay. Uh, That's the only thing he did for this one because he his uh, he was already working on. Well, he had already retired." And came back, back. <laughs> right, right, to work on his next one, which we'll review next year. Mm-hmm. But, but overall, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, Ghibli again, Ghibli through and through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't be like I've seen some Ghibli's that I was kind of like err at, or the uh, Ocean Waves, which is like okay, mm-hmm. I don't like this character, but. Overall, be like I've enjoyed our journey through Studio yeah. Ghibli films. We after this one, we will only have seven movies. Seven that is counting the one that's releasing what next yeah. week? Yeah, the boy and the, the heron, the her- boy and the heron, or heron and the boy. Yeah, it's your boy- life story. The- Thanks. If he has a dog, I'm gonna laugh. <laughs> if he has a dog, it's not been in the trailer, <laughs> so. It's like if hey, he gets turned the, into a dog, <laughs> that will be hilarious. <laughs> it's like it's my life story. What the heck? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. Definitely go if you have the opportunity to go watch it. It's on Max. Uh, if you're subscribed to Max, it's on Max, right? I believe so. Okay, I didn't look this up. Okay, because uh, like what, you, I watched the Blu-ray. Yeah, I did too. So. Yeah, so uh, apparently it's on Max. So while it's there, go check it out. I, I think nearly all the yeah all the Ghibli stuff I think is on Max now. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would highly recommend it to anybody. Till uh, Discovery decides just to cancel everything. Uh, don't say that. Do anyway, say you, you're that. ready to jump into yeah. the full spoiler-filled yes. section. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film "The Secret World of Arietti. I did it. No, I did it right now. Listener discretion is advised. Karigurashi no Arietti, literally Arietti the Borrower, as we, or as we know it in English, The Secret World of Arietti, mm-hmm. was directed by Hiromasa Yonibayashi, mm-hmm. who would later go on to direct a film not for Studio Ghibli, but 
for Studio Pontiac called Mary and the Witch's Flower, a huh. very Mia uh, Ghibli esque yeah film inspired made by another made by people who left Studio Ghibli. Yeah, because that was the thing when I or when previous I, employees of Studio Ghibli. Yeah, because like, when, when I when I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, this is a Ghibli film, and it's not. It's not. Uh, it was written by Hayao Miyazaki and Keiko Niwa, and is based on the novel The Borrowers by Mary Norton. Getting into the cast for this, this is, of course, the English cast. Mm -hmm. uh, and I should be more specific. This is for the Disney English, the North American English cast, as yeah. there is an entirely different European English cast. I heard about that. Tom Holland is on the European cast. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> makes me like, I want to see that version. <laughs> Anyway, English, the North, the North American English cast. We've mm -hmm. got Arietti being played by Bridget Mendler, and she went, played uh, a character named Becca in Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. Oh, the live-action hybrid. The second one. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Sean, or as he's more and well known in the original version as Show, yes. was played by David... Henry, and in mm -hmm. the Disney Channel original television show Wizards of Waverly Place, mm -hmm. along with a bunch of other Disney Channel shows, he played a character named Justin Russo. Yes. Homily was played by Amy Poehler, and she was Joy in Inside Out. Pod was played by Will Arnett. Yes. And he played Vernon Fenwick in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Oh, Bay okay. Turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bay Turtles. The second one. The second the better Turtles. one. Yeah, the better one, ironically. The better one. <laughs> uh, Hara was played by Carol Burnett. Yeah. Hold on. Which one was Hara again? That was the uh, villain, technically, of this. Oh, the yeah, old, yeah, yeah. The, the maid working the in, the, maid. in the office. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. She is, of course, a comedian and was the host of the very popular Carol Burnett show. Yes. Jessica. That is uh, the aunt. The, the aunt. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I don't have her actual Japanese name written down anywhere, because mm. she she and Sean were the only two that had different names. Had had uh, got European you. names in this Japan very Japanese setting. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she was played by Gracie Moore, and she just did a voice on uh, in the movie The Accidental Spy. She I didn't have much to pick for her. From. Okay. Last but not least, Spiller was played by Moises Arias, and in Nacho Libre, he played Juan Pablo, a.k.a. the orphan that, that talked the most to Jack Black. Oh, okay. So what's his actor's name? Spillers? Spillers. Moises Arias? Moises? I'm not, probably not saying his name. Yeah, right. that's a cool name. Yeah. It's, it's Hispanic. I can tell you that yes. much. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Kingdom Hearts Connections. Yeah. How many do you think we have? Oh, this is a 2011 film, 2010. Bear uh, in mind, you have to pick, you have to keep in mind the English North American cast. Yes. The English European cast yes. and the Japanese cast. Yeah. And also they might be in Smash Brothers. <laughs> yes. Oh. Though not as likely with, with these. Because these you. are generally better actors. Better actors. That sounds horrible. These are generally more <laughs> well-known well actors. There we go. That's what I meant. There we go. Uh, I would say I uh, give it five lower three lower two lower one half. How do you get a half? <laughs> I don't know. One. 
Lower. It's zero. What? <laughs> there, I could not find a single connection to Kingdom Hearts in this, despite the fact it's a Disney cast. <laughs> no Rusty Taylor, no Jim Cummings, no any of the standard people who they throw in these things. Yeah. Not a single one. Makes no sense to me. Wow. Okay. So to quote a a famous green archer be like, you have failed this city. <laughs> Disney <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so yeah, no kingdom hearts connections this week, which is just weird. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, and, until, I don't know, maybe the next kingdom hearts four comes out and the inside outs thing. And then we can throw joy in there. But anyway, that's a guess. I don't know. Maybe we don't know any of the worlds for kingdom hearts for yet. Cause we literally just barely know it exists. That is true. So, what do we got in info and stuff? All right, so info and stuff. Uh, IMDb have a 7.6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has a 95% production. Uh, well, I skipped, made a, a slight error there. Uh, watch is uh, be able to watch on Max. Uh, production was Studio Ghibli. Distributed by in Japan was Toho. Uh, originally here in the States was Walt Disney Studio Motion Pictures and then later on G Kids. Release date for Japan was July 17th, 2010, and here in the United States was February 17th, two years later, in 2012. Box office, starting with Japan, Ariadne debuted at the first position in the Japanese box office. More than one million people went to go see the film during its opening run. Whoa, Chimneys! Uh, it grossed around 2.35 billion yen that weekend. Snap! Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, distributor Toho announced that as of August 5th, 2010, the film managed to gross over 3.5 billion yen and attracted more than 3.7 million viewers. According to the Motion Picture uh, Producers Association in Japan. Arietti is the top-grossing Japanese film in their box office of the year of 2010. It grossed an approximately 9.25 billion yen, or that converted into American would be 110.5 million dollars mm-hmm. all right so going into the u.s uh it had a uh, it had an estimated budget of 23 million dollars uh its u.s opening was six um six out uh no correction i'm sorry 6.4 million dollars on february 19th 2012 here in the united states and canada for its opening its gross for u.s and canada was a 19.5 million and its worldwide gross, worldwide gross was $149.4 million. So home release, starting in Japan, then coming over here to the States. Ariety was released as part of the Studio Ghibli collection from Disney Japan, both on Blu-ray, Blu-ray disc and DVD format within Japan. The DVD version of the film consists of two, of two discs, in the Region 2 format, the Blu-ray version consists of a single disc in a Region A format. Both versions were released in 
Japan on the 17th of June of 2011. Both contained English and Japanese subtitles. Uh, Can we move here to the States? The film was released by originally uh, Walt Disney Studio Home Entertainment on DVD as well as DVD and as well as a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack on May 22nd, 2012 here in the United States. G-Kids later would re-release the film on Blu-ray and DVD on November 21st, 2017 under the new deal with Studio Ghibli. There is no sequels currently slated for this movie. And not likely to either. Mm -hmm. So, getting into the summary for this one. Yes. A boy named Sean, or as he's more well-known, Show, remembers the week in summer he spent at his mother's home with his maternal great-aunt, Sadaka. That's Jessica's Japanese name. I just scrolled down. I would have seen that. (laughs) Uh, And her housemaid, Haru. When Sean arrives, he gets a glimpse of Arietti, a borrower girl, returning to her home through an underground air vent. At night, Arietti's father, Pod, uh, takes her on her first borrowing mission to get sugar and tissue paper. After obtaining a sugar cube from the kitchen, they travel to a bedroom, which they enter through a dollhouse. It is Sean's bedroom. He sees Arietti when she tries to take a tissue from the table. Startled, she drops the sugar cube. Sean tries to comfort her, but Pod and Arietti leave. The next day, Sean puts the sugar cube and a little note beside the air vent. Pod warns her not to take it because their existence must be kept secret from humans. Nevertheless, she sneaks out to visit Sean in his bedroom without showing herself. She tells him to leave her family alone, and they soon have a conversation, which is interrupted by a crow. The crow attacks Arietti, but Sean saves her. On her return home, Arietti is intercepted by her father, realizing they have been detected. Pod and his wife, Homily, decide they must move out. Sean learns from Sadako that some of her his ancestors had noticed the presence of borrowers in the house and had the dollhouse built for them. The borrowers have not been seen since. Pod returns home from an from a borrowing mission and is helped home by Spiller, mm-hmm. a survivalist boy he met. Sean removes the floorboard concealing the borrower household and replaces their kitchen with the kitchen from the dollhouse, and he hopes he hopes for them to stay. However, the borrowers are frightened by this and speed up their moving process. Pod recovers and Arietti bids farewell to Sean. Sean apologizes that he had forced them to move out and reveals that he has a heart condition since birth and will have an operation in a few days. Mm. The operation does not have a good chance of success. He is accepting anything. He is accepting saying that every living thing dies. Haru notices the floorboards have been disturbed. She unearths the borrower's house and captures Homily. Alerted by her mother's screams, Arietti goes to investigate. Saddened by her departure, Sean returns to his room. Haru locks him in and calls a pest control company to capture the borrowers alive. Arietti comes to Sean for help, but and they rescue Homily, and he destroys all traces of the borrower's presence. On their way out during the night, the borrowers are spotted by the cat Nia. Thereupon, Nia leads Sean to the river, a small rivulet, where the borrowers are waiting for Spiller to take them further. Sean gives Arietti a sugar cube and tells her that she will always be a part of him and that her courage and the borrower's fight for survival have made him want to live through the operation. In return, Arietti gives her him her hair clip, a small clothespin, as a token of remembrance. The borrowers leave in a floating teapot with Spiller in search of a new home. Hmm. Only in the Disney International dubbed version does it contain the final monologue, where Sean states that he never saw Arietti again 
He returns to the house a year later, indicating that the operation had been successful. Happily, he overhears rumors of objects disappearing in neighbors' houses. But that's only in the Japanese version. You you mean the English version? English version, yeah. Getting into the trivia for this. 7,500,000 people saw the movie in theaters, as you said, an all-time record in Japan for a movie with a first-time director. At 36 years old, Hiromasa Yonabayashi was the youngest person to direct a movie for Studio Ghibli. Hmm. The story takes place in 2010 in Western in, in Western Tokyo's neighborhood of Kogane. Kogane is also where Studio Ghibli is located. In the borrower's home, they have three cups with playing card symbols, a heart, a diamond, and a club. The only symbol they do not have is the spade, which in many cultures is actually considered to be bad luck. Hmm. This is the fourth feature film from Studio Ghibli to not be directed by executive, not be directed by executive producer, executive producer and writer Hayao Miyazaki or studio co-founder Isao Takahata. Mm, okay. There are two English dubs, as I said. There is a British English dub distributed by Studio Canal, recent released in 2011 in the United Kingdom, and the Disney dub in the United States, released in 2012. This makes the sixth Studio Ghibli film dubbed in English twice, and the first since Porco Rosso. Hmm. Executive producer and writer Hayao Miyazaki began the development stages in July 2008. He his original plans included a runtime of 80 minutes, and th- this movie was to be titled Chisana Arietti or Little Arietti. Hmm. This is the last Studio Ghibli anime film to have the English dub distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures before G Kids took over though technically the last dub produced is, is uh, The Wind Rises. Yeah. But Disney didn't want to put that one out for some reason. Hmm. A raccoon from the film Palm Poco appears at the end of the movie. That's what I thought. When Arietti and her parents leave the house. Yeah. And that's what I've got for trivia. Uh, what are your thoughts on this film? My first, your, your first like, I should say. My first like would actually be the world of the, the borrowers. I want to say the little... The, the littles because there was mm-hmm. a there was a show back in the 80s a little cartoon a little cartoon show called the littles and mm-hmm. they, they were borrowers so that's what reminded me of it uh so i i love the world of the borrowers because it's so unique be like the way they have crafted their way in order to get into the house and you know quote unquote, borrow things um uh, uh just like the the pathways and the way they build their house or someone built their house for them, or they built their house themselves, uh, is very crafty, very very well-designed um, world. And I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I just like, like the the world of the borrowers and how they do things and how they, they, they again, borrow in air quotes. Um, so yeah, this, the, the world itself, I'm not talking the, the world of the, the, the beings as they call, as they call mm-hmm. it in this film. But the world of the borrowers, and it's just so well, it's so well designed, especially when the uh area and her family have to move away and they, they get to the uh the uh abandoned portico, I think what it is, or the the uh whatever that building they go to for the night. And here comes the cat just trotting up, trotting up, yeah. trotting up, and the cat just like within like a matter of moments is like back to the house, like back to the mouse. And like, it probably took them another day to get there mm-hmm. being these very small creatures, uh, you, uh, humanoids, I guess, or they're humans, but they're small. 
they are probably closer to uh, some descriptions of uh, Fey from back in the day. Yeah, like yeah. Pixies, but without wings. Yeah. Maybe something akin to, uh, I think they're called brownies. Okay. But th- that's as bad as far as my knowledge of. Okay. Fair enough. The fairy creatures it goes. I so, gotcha. Yeah. From primarily coming from Norse mythology, I believe so. Uh, Celtic. Celtic. That's right. It's Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's just the, the world of the borrowers. It's so well done. Uh, definitely when uh, Aria and her father go into the human world and everything is to scale for a human. Yeah. And it's massive and just breathtaking to watch from their perspective. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the world itself definitely of the borrowers. That's my first like. So one of the things I like about this film is how depending on whose viewpoint you're looking for looking at, even though it's the same settings in a lot of cases, you can feel a difference in size when we're looking from Sean's perspective. Mm-hmm. And when we're looking from Arietti's yeah, perspective, absolutely. Uh, that whole bit where Arietti and, and a uh, pod are climbing up through mm-hmm. the house. Oh yeah. I mean, sure. First thought is I'm getting a lot of honey. We shrunk the, I shrunk the kids vibes yeah, exactly. or Ant-Man, which is like the first two movies I can think of that yeah. does this thing also. But I mean, it was so interesting. It felt so cool seeing all these big things, which is what makes when they enter the dollhouse at that one point, like you get a weird, it's a cool, it's a good kind of weird, yeah. but a weird kind of, uh, a sense of what, what do you call it? Where you're thrown off, uh, not deja vu, but it, it was a weird kind of juxtaposition, maybe. Yeah, because like you go from this big house, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're in a little house. Everything is the correct size, mm-hmm. and where did this come from? Granted, we you very very quickly realize, okay, it's a dollhouse. But at the same time, it, it, I can see how I felt the confusion at the same time Arietti did. Yeah. For that, and then also talking about that, the minute when she when they're trying to pull the tissue paper out of the Kleenex box. Yeah. And she sees Sean staring at her. Oh yeah. Good night. I got spooked. Yeah. <laughs> Watch us go. Oh, crap. Holy <laughs> crap! <laughs> I'm dead. Right. Because uh, and that all that was done so well mm-hmm. and. And then, of course, the uh, when she's riding on Sean going through the house and she's having to hold on to it, you could feel like he's giant until mm. we go to the other scene when the, the, when we turn the corner all of a sudden we're at Sean's point of view and he's just regular size. Yeah. It, it does such a good job of conveying yeah. size differences yeah. between the two characters yes. with their settings. Mm-hmm. And I, I could just very easily see them messing that up. Yeah. So not not them not because it's I don't think Studio Ghibli could pull it off, but yeah. just because it's a hard thing to do. Period. I agree. So yeah, uh, I like how you, the uh, the attention to detail when it comes to the size differences. Yeah. In, in this one, that's my first like. What's your second? My second like is Sean is a character. You have this dynamic between Sean and Arietti, where Sean is be like he he goes to this this home with an aunt where he can, you know, get some relaxation and no stress, whatever. Mm-hmm. And over the time, you get this uh, story that, like, his parents are, like, out of the picture. They're too busy. And he's going through this big ordeal of having a heart condition at a very young age. Like, I, I would assume that probably him and Arietta are the same same age. 
So they're probably like 13. Approximately. Approximately 12, 13 years they're old. They're both coming of age. Yeah. Um, but it was more of this, like, you feel bad for this kid, but he had such great optimism about mm-hmm. things. This is this idea that, like, when you said that, uh, that he's kind of prepared himself because everything does die eventually. That we're, we're, we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. Yeah. As scripture says. Um, uh, I just, I'll be like, I love, I'll be like the, I'm stuttering like no one's business tonight. Uh, You're fine, dude. The overall story of Sean as a character, as we come to know him through the story and the storytelling is so heartwarming to use a, a lack of a word there is just, uh, it's, it's warm. It's inviting. It's one of the, there again, it's a studio Ghibli film written by uh, Hayao Miyazaki mm-hmm. uh, where you have this tenderness and you have this warmth of characters getting to know each other. And there again, with our modern age of all the, all like, Oh, everybody has to get in a relationship or hook up or whatever, where you have with Miyazaki studio Ghibli, you have characters who are just friends are they're really, really close. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, it, it's really heartwarming to see that where it's just people can be friends and they can just get along and, you know, be friends and, you know, lean on each other from time to time. It doesn't have to be a relationship or anything like that. Right. Um, um, oh yeah. It's just, I, I love Sean's story or show. Am I saying the right show? Show in the Japanese version. Show, yeah. Show in the oh, Japanese. Probably the European and, and, and in the, uh, the UK version. Really? It's only in the Disney version they call him Sean. Oh, okay. And and Aunt Jessica Aunt Jessica instead of Sadako. Yeah. Yeah, I I love his journey. I love his journey to his acceptance that like, hey, I might die. There's a strong possibility I'm going to die. And he forms this very unique relationship with Arietti, uh, two people from two very different worlds mm-hmm. that wind up having to save both of their worlds. Yeah. And some about in a large and small capacities mm-hmm. uh yeah i just overall enjoyed sean's story and his relationship with arietti all righty yeah what is your second like i love the animation on haru hara however you say her name no oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah uh and i think the act- and, and carol burnett's acting of course was top-notch oh, but, of course uh despite the fact that she's she's supposed to be the villain of this but yeah. she's not really villainous she's just trying to prove that she's not crazy yeah so why that mean uh, i say why that means she's called an exterminator when she is, I, I just realized yeah she wasn't calling them to help exterminate just to help capture thinking, yeah and thinking there's probably easier ways to do that but true whatever uh i grant I, uh horror's character is actually based on a character from the books yeah I don't remember the character's name in the books, but yeah. um, I, I just like the way she she moved throughout this because she you could feel you could almost she moved like you would expect like a a uh, a sprightly older lady yeah moving had those kind of looks on her face on the face the way they animated it where it's like she, she's feeling like a little girl again yeah. With While, glee and excitement. With glee and excitement. You mm. could see that in her face, which I loved. Mm-hmm. And I but I also especially like her more cynical moments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um when when the the crow uh 
attacks the uh, yeah the window, mm-hmm. and they get they get the crow scared out. She's like, "I'm gonna have to clean that up too." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's your job. Yeah, I I also love the the very end where uh, she is that she's lost sight of uh, the mother mm-hmm. and she'd be like everything all of her evidence is gone and she's losing her mind to these pest controllers and it's such a great performance there again by carol Carol did a great job she did an amazing job with that and just the like you said the animation with that it's just that her overall facial expressions Mm -hmm. were so well done and again studio ghibli does these amazing character animations when you can definitely do older characters yeah they're done so well so yeah What's your third like? My third like would be the crow attack. <laughs> I, 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 that I, is like the most visceral moment in this film. Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, to uh, Arietti is trying to just persuade this being Sean to uh, leave their family. Yeah, alone. just leave the family alone. And uh, we, we, won't, we won't bother you. We don't have to move. And uh, I think Sean's just more generally curious about, you know, these borrowers and who Arietti is. And uh, once be like she moves into the light and she, you know, Sean can see her for the second time. This massive crow comes in and flies, goes through the, uh, the, I guess we would call it a bug screen. It's, it's a, it's, it's a wind, it's a windscreen. Yeah. Like, just like the same ones on our windows here. Yeah. It's a windscreen. Keep the flies out. Yeah. It's a windscreen. And just the, the torrent of animation when it comes mm-hmm. to that bird who is just flocking and sc- trying to get it Arietti. Oh hungry was that, that bird, bird. <laughs> to not just be a t- it's one thing yeah i get why yeah. the bird would attack arietti because mm. she's the size, of, the a size of a morsel yeah so that makes sense but the crow is willing to fly towards a house where a giant human is and is not spooked of the human mm. like most birds would be yeah uh i how hungry was that bird <laughs> yeah just, uh can't you attack the cat for a change <laughs> I say as a cat lover. <laughs> I think most birds are wise enough not to attack cats. Well, attack some... It's still weird. That's all yeah. I'm saying is that it's okay. weird that, that this crow attacked Arietti at the window of the house with another human there. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I get that. Um, but I, I, lo- I love the animation, the ferocity of the bird moving, and Sean try be like trying with everything he can to grab Arietti, make sure she's safe. Mm-hmm. And this whole interaction. And then she, uh, what is her name? The maid? Haru. Haru. Or Hara. Har- Hara. Haru. Uh, she comes in and it's like, oh my gosh, takes her, takes her shoe off mm-hmm. or flip flop. It's just bam, 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 smack the bird. <laughs> I was like, poor crow. It, but is, it, was, it is Hara. Sorry. Hara. Okay. Hara uh horror smacking this poor bird and the bird flocks off just wow 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 <laughs> it was great and it's just like this bird make sure they don't get the taste of human blood or borrower blood for that matter oh gosh they might turn into a human <laughs> that's what i kept thinking that's what i kept thinking for some reason be like somehow arietti is going to have some kind of connection with sean and there's gonna be something like with a uh uh ponyo ponyo where it was gonna be like she was gonna turn into a human in some capacity and they could you know live out the rest of their days or whatever that would have been funny or cool but it didn't happen it was this movie ended very well and with the U, the u.s dub 
be like we got the oh sean was okay and yeah. the, and her family was okay and uh apparently in the other versions there was no information on that i think the idea was it doesn't really matter if sean survived the operation yeah. or if she got or if her family got to where it is yeah. this was a moment in their lives and their story ended when yeah. that separation occurred yeah so there's okay. a certain artisticness i yeah. can see with oh not i agree telling you that information yeah. But I can also understand why Disney thought to add it in, even yeah. though I don't think Disney should add should have added a lot of the stuff in that they did. Oh, I, I agree. The G Kids did reverse some of the stuff we know about mm. uh, with with that Disney did for those dubs. Mm. But this was the last change Disney made, so yeah, that we know of. Well, I say uh, that because I haven't watched the next Ghibli film yet, uh, so I don't know what. And I know it's the last one Disney actually did the dub for. I would agree with that. Uh, I just, as an audience member, it's good to kind of have a solidarity when it comes to a, a character. Do do they survive? Do they move on? Do they grow from the experience? And if you would have had not had that that uh, epilogue, right? That'd be an epilogue. Yeah, it's, that's an epilogue. Basically. Yeah, it's an epilogue to the story where we do get a uh, a solid conclusion to it's like oh. Sean survived. The uh, the borrowers did move on to an, another house, and uh, I I I I enjoy I enjoyed the ending. That is a it is a wonderful film, and yeah, I would agree. My third like for this film is the character of Pod. Yeah. Oh, Arietti's yeah. father. Yes. You can see how much. He loves his daughter yes. and he loves his wife, even though he's well aware that his wife is a bit of a scaredy cat. Just a little. Which, granted, she had good reason to be, mm -hmm. <laughs> if we're being honest. He was such a good husband and, and uh, father to Arietti and Homily mm -hmm. that's like, oh, you were kind of what, you're kind of the aim here. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, loved, I, loved, I loved his character, how he was willing to teach uh, Arietti and uh, on on how to do all that and was still like i don't know i, I just liked his character yeah so, i i get that I mean, like he he's one of these he's a very humble and very mm -hmm. modest kind of guy that be like he's has the patience he's very yeah. willing to just be like okay he knows when to encourage he knows the best way to yeah. uh he's, he's he can punish without actually seeming mean yeah which is a tough thing to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was done very well. I, yes. I appreciated how well they did the character's character. Agreed. So yeah, pod is my third like. Excellent. So, so we need to move on to dislikes. Yes. What's your first? My first dislike now, granted, this is a nitpick. Now this movie was made in 2010. 2010, yeah. 2010. Um. I think it was like within the first few minutes, but like you get this grand scale of uh, the landscape and the whole mm -hmm. bit and it's painted beautifully, beautifully. And if they would have had, there's a lot of static shots with the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. There's no real movement of the camera or zooming in or zooming out. And uh, I really, um, cause I know in previous Ghibli films, like you would have, they would move into the the background, mm -hmm. 
And with this movie, it really didn't. It just gave you a static shot and you would only have movement from, you know, the, the foreground, the, the yeah. leaves or whatever. But I just, I really wish they would have put more of an effort to maybe panning and making a wider canvas for your background or something mm-hmm. like that. But it just seemed like all the, the background shots were simply just paintings. Yeah. And I wish they would have just, you know, made them a little more alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, my first dislike, and this is a nitpick, kind of. Okay. Before I did the look, I did. I started doing research uh, to, for the show for the review. Mm-hmm. When I was just watching the movie on the second time, and I realized his they're naming his character Sean and his aunt Jessica. Mm-hmm. Yet, that is very obviously. She's obviously driving on the what we would think on the right hand side of the vehicle. She is. This is very obviously a Japanese license plate mm-hmm. on that vehicle. Mm-hmm. We are painfully obviously in Japan. Yeah, these characters don't look like they're in, designed any differently than any mm-hmm. of the quote unquote Japanese characters. Yeah, there's something wrong here. Yeah. Now, granted, for the most part, you probably don't even need. It, it does not really matter. Yeah. Whether this takes place in Japan or whether it takes place in the United in UK. Yeah, it really does not matter. But I'm watching this whole thing going, why are there two Americans randomly living in Japan? <laughs> I'm not Fair. saying Americans can't live in Japan, right. but I'm saying it's just like weird that it, it threw me that these two people specifically were had Eng- English names in a Japanese country Fair. that are not names you kind of associate in any way with mm-hmm. Asian countries. So you throw that in there. And then of course I go and start doing the research and I realize her name is, was originally Sadako and his name was originally show granted. I follow why they chose the names they did. Cause those syllables match up where you could easily match lip flaps when, when necessary. Exactly. But why do you make that change? Is it because you think, uh, the kids aren't going to be able to accept Japanese name. Then why'd you name the, 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 how'd you keep the maid's name as uh, Hara? Granted, it's a simple name, but still it's a Japanese name. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's the part I don't understand is why Sean and, or show and Sadako's name were changed to Sean and Jessica. Mm. I don't know why that decision was made. And I feel like it shouldn't have been, it should have been left show and yeah sadako but fair like i said that's a nitpick i can let that go what's your second dislike my second dislike sean's voice actor uh david harry or henry or something yeah david henry now grant be like i'm I'm not very laid back and dreamy almost like he was on uh, on sedation the entire time <laughs> well here here's here's my here's my dis- dislike of, i'm not saying be like he's not a bad actor he's not yeah. i'm not uh downplaying his performance at all my problem was that he sounded too old that's true he he I'd be like yeah this actor is obviously like in his maybe late teens early 20s mm-hmm. and he's playing a 13 year old I'm like, okay, but he sounds too old to be this character. Because they're going back to Ponyo, be like they're yeah. using age-appropriate actors for it. Now, granted, be like the, the movie does suffer in some capacity due to that. 
Yeah. But this would be like, yeah, they got a really good actor. The only problem is he sounds too old for the part. It's very obvious he's already gone through puberty. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this character is not supposed to have gone through that. Yeah, or he's or in the middle of the process yeah. of that. So, like, yeah, David's performance be like is good. Be like, he's got this great range and the whole bit. He's got the somber voice down, but he just sounds too old. That that's be like. I, I just kept listening. To this was like, wait, how old is this character? And like, he's you know around this age. I was like, okay, he sounds like he's eighteen. Yeah. Like 18, 19, 20 years old. And I'm like, huh. That's like, okay. And you realize who the actor is. It's like, okay, he's a good actor. But they just they Grant, voice cast it wrong. Granted, they never say in the film how old he is. Yeah. Or what age age of schooling he's yeah. in. Yeah. Just like they never actually say uh what country they're in. Yeah. Or what town they're even in. Yeah. Uh so maybe the thought process this, the Disney dub producers were working off of mm-hmm. was if we don't say how old these are, we can do what we need to do. Yeah. And he's kind of dressed because he is in more of a high school, ja- Japanese high schoolers uniform for most of okay. this, like pants and a white shirt, but yeah. I'm sure for the most part of this, maybe they, they thought, well, he looks like he could be older than what we would normally think. Of. Okay. That's a guess. Yeah. I don't know. Because I still think I agree with you on this. That was the wrong decision. Yeah, I should have aimed for the age of the character and where the character grew up. So yeah, and plus be like I think with the uh, the Disney executives who chose David mm-hmm. for this role because David was very popular with Wizards of Waverly Place at the time. Not to mention it's an easy casting because he's on. He, he probably he probably came to the to the sound booth between recordings of whatever disney channel original show he was on yeah exactly so it was easy to, to, to yeah he's schedule. right he's, he's, he's right an there. easy schedule yeah he's right there and the same is probably true of uh the actress who played arietti yeah so that is my second dislike my second dislike is this house is in the middle of a forest yes which is apparently in the middle of a city mm-hmm. y- yet despite the fact that we get up to the second floor mm-hmm. and can see a little bit over the treetops, we never see the city. No, we it's don't. like, this is supposed to be a forested area. The movie starts off. You're in a city and she just barely turns down a road where you're still obviously kind of in mm-hmm. downtown. You're on the edge of town yeah. and you're automatically in a forest or a forested area. And I'm going, I know I've been in places that kind of have that feel, yeah. but at the same time, you probably should still be able to, you're not out in the, uh, the, the boondocks. It sounds not, like they are though. It makes it look like that they are in the middle, that they are 10 miles from town. Yeah. And no matter what, at least 10 miles from town, no matter which direction you go. Yeah. And the thing is, they're probably on the edge of town. Probably. They should be able to see like buildings in the distance, mm-hmm. at least yes. part of the skyline or yes. something. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not talking about, Oh, you've got to have a full uh, Tokyo skyline in the background yeah. or something like that. No, I'm just saying there's going to be buildings that like a, like, ta- uh, like a mm-hmm. clock tower or something. that's going to stick up high enough that you could see mm-hmm. from their place. Cause you're not actually in the country. You're on the edge of town. Yeah. You're at in- best. Yeah. And yet, 
you think as soon as they turn onto that uh into that driveway they're all of a sudden in another world 200 miles from the closest bit of civilization yeah to the point where the exterminators can't find the house uh-huh and i'm like how can you not find the house it's on the edge of town we were just there an hour ago when this movie started yeah like how do what you, bridge how can you like go? there's no bridge where are you going there how did you get that far off? I mean, it's like right there. You're a block off the main road. That's what it looks like anyway. Yeah. Well, I think defensively, like it's, it's this very small country road and yeah. the house is up a hill. So, and, and I get that, but in, if you're up on top of a hill, you should be able to see farther. You okay. should be able to see something. Um, For the most part, had, had they not shown the bit of them driving through town at the beginning, wouldn't have cared. Wouldn't matter a bit. Yeah. But the thing is, you set your location this way mm -hmm. to tell you tell apparently the Japanese where they are just by yeah. visuals. Yeah. And yet you get to you turn up the driveway and mm -hmm. you're in the middle of the country. Yeah. Totoro is hanging around somewhere. Oh, that'd be amazing. That would be funny. That would. But yeah, uh, I I don't like the fact that we're obviously on the edge of town mm. based on what the movie showed, and yet you, you there's no sign of the town in any other shot in this film. Mm -hmm. And I do mean any other shot in this film, mm. not even the end when you're seeing Arietti Arietti and her family uh, sailing down the culvert. Yeah, <laughs> it's confuses me yeah so yeah that's my second dislike okay my third dislike uh you might hate me for this one i don't know why <laughs> how do you pronounce the cat's name nia nia or something nia. like that nia i mean if you're gonna say you don't like the cat honestly i'm fine with that because they did nothing with that cat yeah the cat could have the, the cat's job was to stare down Arietti in the beginning and then lead Sean to Arietti at the end. It's the only reason the cat's there because the you, cat does nothing else in the rest of the film. You stole my joke. <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I was, I was, I was trying to set up a joke where it was more like worst cat ever because the cat can't catch anything. Now, granted, it's a lazy house cat. I get that. And now, yeah. granted, I'm I'm not I'm not saying be like oh worst cat ever be like you know uh what is uh, Kiki's cat Gigi Gigi be like yeah Gigi always gonna be best cat Gigi is best cat yeah um but I'm just I me mean, like I'm, I'm there again it is a pure joke when I say that Nia the 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 late the big lazy house cat uh can't catch anything uh which I'm, I'm just saying more jokingly than anything I'm not putting the cat under the bus the figurative bus or the 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 wheels of the car or whatever which don't abuse people don't mm -hmm. abuse cats people come on people but uh or any animal for that any matter. other any or another person whatever but uh no abuse no abuse whatever. no abuse no abuse for you <laughs> but uh it's like yeah I, I was i was trying to make a joke out of that but it was more like yeah nia's a lazy cat <laughs> Which like they're getting you, happens. You're, you're a have you uh, met Rowdy? That's our friend Chase's cat. Yeah, that's a lazy cat. <laughs> kind of like Mia. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Except he doesn't like being held. <laughs> I don't think Mia does either, <laughs> but they never showed that. No. 
I mean, like I, I do like that Nia's kind of warms up to Arietti and just like it's like, okay, this this something's going on with these two. Be like, I want to make sure that but they don't actually show any of that because the cat does nothing between its two scenes ever on screen. That's true. Doesn't even interact with them. So that's true. There again, be like it's it's more of a joke. Be like, yeah, Nay is the worst house cat ever. Can you even catch a little, you know, rodent of a mm-hmm. of a borrower? <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, third kind of dislike. You're stretching is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, I know I'm stretching. I know I'm stretching. That's the whole point. I, I need to borrow it from somewhere else. Okay. This is where that half connection for Kingdom Hearts came in, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my third dislike for this film... It's pacing is weird. I would agree with that. Granted, this is meant to be a smaller story. It's not meant to yeah. be. It's you're just dealing with adventures in a house, mm-hmm. basically, and, and they do a good job with that. And I will say, I still think of all of the short people, uh, you know, one inch tall people movies we've reviewed, mm-hmm. which is what uh, Thumbelina mm-hmm. and what was the other one? Oh, epic. Yeah, epic. Yeah. And there was no, another. No, uh, was Strange we, Magic. Strange Magic. Yeah. This is probably the best one we've reviewed. Oh, yet. I agree. I agree because with you. These are actually interesting characters. Yes. Uh, but the thing is, this the, the pacing mm-hmm. on this and the way this story is told, granted, it takes place in a weekend. Mm hmm. And granted, he's only at this house for what two weeks, probably at most. Something like maybe uh, maybe half a summer, maybe. Uh, well, I mean, I, in the course of the film, it feels yeah. like I think it's only like two weeks, but because he's just there until he goes in for his operation, which is apparently the week after. Yeah, but still, it's like the the the, the pacing on this and the way the story is told is yeah. just weird yeah it's not bad it's just odd yeah and I, I really can't put my finger on it more than that yeah but yeah it's just weird yeah uh, neko is trying to tell us that toy story probably fits this uh thing too i would say no because those are toys and i'm not saying toys aren't people in the, in that world yeah but it's not the same issues yeah so yeah yeah, the the toys from Toy Story are their worst concern is that Andy is no longer see them valuable anymore yeah. and just throw them away. Which I think that's any fear of a you know semi Fern Gully was the other one I was yeah, trying to think Fern of. Fern Gully. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I've been sitting here thinking Tim Curry was in this. What is it? Yes. <laughs> Toxic love. What's going on? Yeah, the the movie that I you know the movie to- you made us sit in the hot van. <laughs> In the middle of, well, I wouldn't say the Dallas slums, but it kind of felt like the unsafe side of town. <laughs> but yeah. So what are we rating this? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I'm giving it a 7.5. Oh, okay. It's a fun little movie. Oh, agreed. It's fine. Agreed. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a bad film. 
it's not my favorite. It, yeah. it does a good job doing what it's doing. And so, yeah, I give it a 7.5. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's a 7.5. It is a, there again, Ghibli film. It's done very well. I would agree with you. The The pacing is a little bit odd here and there. Uh, I wish the, the backgrounds would have moved a, or mm-hmm. had a little more fluidity to it. A little more dynamicness. Dynamicness. That's better. Uh, other than that, it's like it's a great film. Highly recommend it. Go watch it on Max. There again, we are not sponsored by Max, but if Max wants to sponsor us, more than welcome to, you know, throw some Max goodness our way. Though we would do like, uh, oh, what is that guy's name? The the British comedian that that, that was on the Daily Show, because um, he's got a show on uh, on Max. Oh, okay. I can't think of his name. I'm, We're going to be like him and talk you down just as much as we look glad you're putting our show out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just as much as John Oliver. Thank you, yeah. Bobbo. Yeah. yeah. We're going to be like John uh, John Oliver and, and totally trash you while we're still thankful you're giving us money. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm giving it a 7.5. What are you giving it? Uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's a 7.5. It is a wonderful movie. Uh, like I reiterated earlier, uh, I agree. The the pacing is a little bit off. The the I wish the backgrounds were a little more fluidic. Mm-hmm. And just like other than that, it's like, yeah, great movie, great movie. It is definitely one of those films that be like I I would probably watch again. Uh, recommend to people go watch mm-hmm. it in Max, um, or go find a Blu-ray physical copy of it. While those are still available. Yeah, you're not kidding. That's scary for physical media guys like us. Yeah. Well, physical media is disappearing slowly and none of us are happy about it. Yeah, it's go- it's going the way of the dodo bird and none of us are happy about it. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Join us on the other side. Oh, yeah. Next week. Sorry. Yeah. Next I did, week. I jumped ahead slightly. Yeah. Next week, which is not next week. It's actually in two weeks. But the next episode we're getting into Christmas mm-hmm. and we're starting with a Jim Henson film. Yes. Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas. A movie that a friend of ours, uh, two of our friends, two of our friends show have been, well, both of are very happy we're doing this, I'll say. Yeah. So, yeah. And I do have the DVD. I'll let you borrow it after I watch it. Excellent. So, yeah, that's what we're reviewing next week. Mm-hmm. Join us on the other side of the bumpers, and we will be talking about what we've been watching, mm-hmm. some news, and believe it or not, some X-Men. Yes. For the last time. Sad. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Geek Devotions, which is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. They produce a weekly geek culture-infused devotional, their podcast, ComTalk, and written articles, along with many other different podcast episodes, where whether you're talking about books, Gundam, or bad movies. Uh, so, uh, it's all, and it's all designed to encourage and challenge people in the geek community, bridging the gaps between their faith and their geekdoms. You can find all of their content at geekdevotions.com. The Cellcast would also like to thank the following patrons, Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Edwin Gonzalez. 
If you would like to hear your name shouted out on the show, have uncut episodes, or get some special art from Jacob, you can donate to us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? Or the one thing I've been watching all yeah, week. I actually <laughs> knew this, the answer to this question yes. already. Yes. So a little a little context here for our listeners or viewers. Uh, so I I, I kind of I get on Twitter, Twitter slash X, whatever they call it now. Uh, I'll get on there once in a Twister. while. Yeah, Twixter. That we go, Twixter. That's what we keep calling it. Yeah. So I, I follow an artist called Joe Manarera. I followed his work since the '90s. He was a comic artist for X Men, Against uh, X Men, and about his title, on his uh, his own title, Bound Chasers. So I've noticed a couple of weeks prior that he started promoting this one show on Netflix called Blue Eye Samurai. I was like, huh, this looks cool. So eventually, I get around to like earlier this week, and I start watching it, and instantly I am glued. Mm-hmm. Th- this thing has me uh, the palm of its hand no matter what's going to happen with this show I'm going to watch it until the end it's 8 episodes on Netflix now it is good I'm talking good excellent storytelling people Th- this is the the like if you're talking storytelling that's done well using your visuals to tell, tell your story and shadowing and paralleling and every like storytelling done right mm-hmm. and um now, granted, would I recommend this show to everyone? Absolutely not. This show has violence, gore, uh, sexually graphic scenes, nudity, a lot of violence, a lot of blood, a lot of language. Uh, but it's done all in the scope of telling the story, of mm-hmm. telling the story. And uh, it's it's based in feudal, or not in feudal Japan, but after the Opium Wars, where America and England had gotten their gotten themselves into a, a closed off japan and this is after the japanese had pushed everybody out and uh it follows this samurai i'm not gonna just if you're interested granted viewer discretion is advised i would not recommend watching this with a child under the age of 18 right or or, or even above that um but yeah i, I would if, if you're of an adult consent be like you're you're in college and be like you are be like there again i do not want someone to stumble into a sin by watching a show i recommend so mm-hmm. if, if you have struggles with like you know like you know something that may have sexual content or nudity or whatever or uh like extreme violence or whatever you just repulsed by that don't watch it but uh if you're one of those people that like me who views everything artistically uh for the most part sees everything artistically uh i would highly recommend it it is gorgeous it is wonderful it's eight episodes i probably binged it over the last maybe like three days three or four days Mm -hmm. and uh i loved it it was the the you get episode five six seven eight definitely episode five was so well done it's literally you get this parallel of the samurai and their life you know i'm trying not to spoil anything here right it is so hard with this show uh you get the samurai's previous life when they were younger and their uh their life now in the situation they're in and it's just paralleling so well it's spinning around each other 
and it's so well done. It's just like, oh my gosh, this makes sense now. And watching it, and it ends with this, okay, this is where we're going. And it leads right into what they're already saying is the second season, which I will be there to watch. Okay. So yeah, that is all I have been watching. How about you? So admittedly, this is not an animated thing. Either one of the things I'm going to talk about right. today. Uh, but uh, last Sunday, mm-hmm. I watched uh, the movie Tetris. Mm. It is about the very interesting uh legal situation about trying to release tetris back in the 80s huh you know the game that was developed in russia yeah on technically russian computers so they were technically even though uh Mm technically it was did the whole thing it was technically owned by russia that's right yeah and there was a lot of confusion among the uh, people who are licensing about exactly what the rights covered to the point where uh, it's actually an interesting movie. I do not want to spoil this film. If you like cold war era thrillers, believe it or not, this is a cold war era thriller. Tetris. Tetris. Yes. It is done very well. And it is based on a true story and it is authentic. You want, and the given idea is how authentic it is. Yeah. The two main characters, yeah, i.e., Alexei Pajitnov, the creator of Tetris, mm-hmm. and um, Hank, I can't remember his last name now, as I'm saying that, and H- Hank's daughter, who are all characters in the film, are the executive producers of this film. Wow. Like they signed off on everything. Now, granted, there's a couple things in there. It's like, okay. As, as much as it was very important for them to get out of Russia when they did, I really doubt it was that much of a high-speed Hollywood car chase. So I'm, I'm just curious. To the, set, set to a Russian version of holding out for a hero. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it, it wasn't like the... They're, 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 uh, I, I think the scene from uh, Star Wars Rogue One at the very end when they're trying to escape and Darth Vader's going to just cut people down and they're trying to pass this thing, this message on and they get it, through like the Berlin like wall. That. It's not like that. Okay. It is. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. I will go ahead and tell you that uh, yeah. two of the other people who are in this car are uh, the characters are Minoru Arakawa and Howard Lincoln, who you probably don't know who I'm talking about when I say those names. No. That is the president of Nintendo of America in that time, along with the legal counsel of Nintendo of America, who are in this car trying to escape Russia with uh, uh, with Hank, whatever yeah. his last name is. Who, I'm sorry, Hank, I can't remember your last name. <laughs> and it's like, Mario hangs in the balance. And not really, because this is long after Mario Brothers came yes. out. But it's like, these are characters you don't normally, people you don't normally expect to hear action movies being based off of. Right. And yet this is still an action movie based off of a video game. Tetris. And not the video game itself, just the uh, trying to get the game published. Yeah. Which is, does not sound like it would be an exciting film. Right. And yet it's like, it's, you're sitting on the it's the best if you want to get a good idea as to how communist russia was right. and how much of a pain it was and how much fear the russians were in this is actually the one of the few films 
where I actually felt like they conveyed it correctly. Yeah. They conveyed yeah, the absolute fear. There's there's one point where uh, Hank and Alexi are talking technically against the rules because they're you're not supposed to have foreigners in your apartment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hank's saying, oh, yeah, I grew, I, I grew I, I'm from the Netherlands, but I grew up in America uh, and now I'm living in Japan. Uh, and where, where have you all been to? I grew up here. Oh, I know you grew up here, but I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, no, this apartment is where I have lived my whole life. It's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's how it was. Uh, dude, it, it's a good movie. It's mm. on Apple Plus. Okay. Uh, I highly suggest watching it because it is a very tense, good Cold War epic. I, nice. I haven't seen a good Cold War epic like this since maybe Hunt for Red October. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to suggest of all movies, the Tetris movie. Wow. Whether you like video games or not. Wow. It is that good. I, I will put that on my Well, as you continue. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. I told you yesterday that I was mm. thinking of staying up late to catch the yes! premiere. Yes, I just saw of, something on, on Monarch yeah. Legacy of Monsters. Yes, and the thing is, when we talked last night, we had just gotten out of Bible study, and we'd gotten out a lot earlier than we normally do, right? Yes. Well, I get home. I'm thinking, okay, I want to know what time. What I want to make sure I've got the right time because mm-hmm. I wasn't 100 certain yes. it was going to come out at 11 o'clock Central. Yes. Well, I go on, get on, get on the, the iPad. I go over to the Apple TV thing. And all it says for Monarch Legacy of Monsters is that it's coming soon and asking if I want to watch the trailer. I'm thinking, I'll just try it later on tonight. Mm-hmm. And so I go and start playing something while I'm waiting for time to pass, you know. and Right. You know, end of the, end, coming, cooling down from the, from the day. Yeah. And... You know how uh, when you get like a notification on Facebook, it will light up your screen. Yes, it does this pretty much any notification. Yeah. Well, I saw the the screen light up from uh, from across the room, mm-hmm. so I paused my game, reached over and grabbed it. So I was like, "Okay, what's going on?" And I had a notification from one of my Facebook groups, mm-hmm. a Godzilla specific Facebook group, yes. but not Nate Marchands. Oh, really? This was a different one. Okay. It said the first two episodes of Legacy of Monsters is out so i quickly went over to the apple thing tv thing on my ipad see to make sure before i go to the trouble of moving what i was stopping what i was doing Uh, and loading up apple tv on the playstation and all that and go it is out okay and i move every i start making the switch over and i watched the and i got six minutes in and i paused this tv I signed over onto Nate Nate's uh, messenger group for uh-huh. uh, the Marker Light Lounge. Mm-hmm. I said, "I'm already six minutes into this in, into the first episode. This is already way better than the Skull Island anime. <laughs> <laughs> Not barely anything. All, all I've seen, I can say this much: all I've seen is John Goodman nearly get eaten by a kaiju. <laughs> Poor John Kaiju. <laughs> Well, I mean, he dies in Skull Island. So uh, yeah, I remember. This is while he's on Skull Island, so I'm not quite sure when this actually fits into yes. that. But yes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm watching this and going, this is so much better. And 
I said that, and I just kept watching like for the next two hours because you know it's an hour long show. Mm. Dude, I don't care if you did not like King of the Monsters or Godzilla versus Kong. Mm. If you liked 2014 Godzilla, yeah, you should give this a shot. Huh. It is good. That's what I keep hearing. It's doing some stuff to uh that that it's connecting Skull Island and better to the to the 2014 Godzilla film. Okay. Uh, it's got I, I, I like you with blue eyed samurai. Mm-hmm. I can't say much because it's going to be way too easy to spoil well, yeah. certain things. I'll put it this way: I know exactly why they released two episodes because they had to get past the point so they could finally say character last names. Oh, <laughs> wow! Okay, okay. Uh, it's that good. Okay. Uh, it, it's the the interesting thing on this one is it's. Part it's actually two stories going okay. on simultaneously. One takes place in 2015, about six months after G Day. Okay, you know from Godzilla 2014. Yeah, and the other half of it is taking place in 1950s. Okay, when Monarch was started. When Monarch was getting started, there is one character between both that is actually the same character, but it's played by a father son duo. Really. Kurt Russell plays the character in 2015 and Wyatt Russell plays him in 1950s. Wow. And boy, they, they, they worked together to make sure they were playing the same character. Oh, wow. You you, you can tell they're different people, obviously. Yeah. But they have the mannerisms down. Yeah. Granted, they're father, son. They probably share mannerisms without even thinking about it. Right. But you totally believe this is the same Mm -hmm. character. Yeah. And they're doing so much to help to, to establish lore that none of the other films ever did yeah to my annoyance mm. <laughs> and i can't I, I, if i go too far into this I, it's, yeah, uh, you, it's, you, i'm gonna screw up i know but i will just say this does a good job of being a and this is another kind of a spy thriller kind of thing because you got the secret organization that's chasing these characters on, mm. in the 2015 and then this other group that's just trying that that's looking for monsters yeah including a dragon and i don't mean godzilla i mean a dragon dragon <laughs> that is breathing radiation wow so are we talking about a uh european dragon or a oriental it's a dragon mixture because huh. it's, ironically it's this scene is taking place in kazakhstan oh which i'm looking at it and going i didn't realize any of the stan state uh, countries actually wasn't a desert <laughs> But it does make sense because there's oh. not deserts everywhere. True. But it is Russia at this point. True. Which is weird that they still called it Kazakhstan, now that I think about it. Yeah, Kazakhstan. I'm guessing that may have been a Russian the name of this Russian state at the time. Yeah, it was. I don't I, that's my guess, but good night. It is it was so good. I I, there, I the only reason I was pausing to look at the time was because I was pausing to catch my breath. Mm. Because it's like Mm, 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 mm. so good uh, uh granted it, this is not much like kong skull, uh, the skull island anime yeah. we're not seeing like monsters every episode yeah but they're being that when monsters come up it's like a good uh it, it, it's well worth the wait oh, okay and granted all we've seen of godzilla is not necessarily flashback it's not archival yeah. footage yeah. to 2014 godzilla but it's flashbacks to g-day Oh, okay. So 
yeah, yeah. and and it's very obviously connecting in characters to the point where I think I'm going to have to go back and rewatch 2014 Godzilla and then these two episodes again before episode three comes out on Wednesday. Oh, wow. So that were, that reminds me so much of like watching Blue Eye Samurai, mm-hmm. uh, watching episode five, which I was just, oh my gosh, storytelling wise. And I look up, I look up, I look up and be like, I'm, I'm sitting there just glued to the set. Maybe like, obviously like younger people are like, what's a set television? Yeah. Um, that's the, him being glued to blue-eyed samurai is probably why this episode of the cell cat uh, upon the Ponyo episode of the cell cast is a touch delayed as he hasn't finished the art yet yeah <laughs> and i think I it's because he's been distracted by blue-eyed I, samurai i have i have been a little distracted by a, a blue-eyed <laughs> samurai um but it was like I'm, I'm sitting there i'm watching episodes five and it's just epic beyond belief storytelling camera whatever i'm sitting there and it rolls into six and then you get this for whom the bell tolls Metallica version of mm-hmm. this song plays up and it just pans up and you've got the our main character, this massive castle. Yeah. It's just dum da da dum. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I looked at I look at my clock, it's 12 o'clock. I've got to go to bed. <laughs> but I'm like, no, no, no. Tomorrow, tomorrow, we're we're finishing you up. But I was like, I'm like I will, I don't want to be responsible. I have to be responsible. <laughs> So I mean, like I, I I put a pause on it. I shut I shut the uh, PS4 off and went to bed. And I was like, I want to watch the rest of this. <laughs> Adulting is so hard, isn't it? <laughs> yes, agreed, agreed. Uh, but yeah, uh, and that's pretty much all I've been watching. Yeah. this week. Uh, so Jacob, what do we have in the news? The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dilit. And there's actually a lot. I mean, a lot of news that's been going on this past week. So starting off, uh, this is the headlining banner off of uh, uh, animationmagazine.net. And it's, it's what could you wish for? Critics find Disney's uh, centennial musical a nostalgic yet un- unsurprising celebration. Ahead of its official Thanksgiving holiday release on November 22nd, critics are weighing in on Wish, the newest original animated fairy tale from Walt Disney Animated Studios, which draws inspiration from its 100 years of animated storytelling tradition at the studio. Family audiences and animation lovers of all ages, I'm going into another segment here, I should have mentioned that. Uh, So apparently... Uh, it is doing okay. I saw a snippet of a headline from a um, a YouTube channel, which I'm not going to mention because most of them they just bash people for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, was oh the box office doesn't look good? It's going to fail. I'm like shut up. Like give it time, give something to breathe before you mm-hmm. you know condemn it. Um. Okay, second bit, uh, bit of news. Um, 
family audiences and animation lovers of all ages had the chance to take in a unique cinematic offering this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Via Pictures has announced that Deep uh, Deep Sea, uh, the acclaimed new CG animated movie from Monkey King Hero is back from director, I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize, uh, Tyon Zomgum. I'm going to butcher, I can't even pronounce that. So if you wouldn't mind. I am guessing Tian Xiaoping. Tian Xiaoping. Okay. Tian Xiaoping. Okay. We'll be playing in select markets here in the United States starting on November 25th. Uh, obviously, this is a Japanese uh, movie. That looked Chinese name. Oh, Chinese. Sorry. Chinese. There is a difference. There is. I agree. My apologies. Uh, Chinese uh, movie coming out that's being, I think it's being dubbed. But uh, all right. So moving forward. This I saw the headline on this. I'd be like, I'd just like, okay, why? But uh, this morning, uh, the time of that release, uh, during an appearance on Good Morning America, Disney CEO Bob Iger revealed that the studio is working on the fourth movie of the Frozen franchise. In addition to its previous, there's not been a third yet. I know. Also. Why more frozen? Let it die. Or let it go. Let it die. Let, let it, it die. die. Give us a tangled sequel. <laughs> You're not kidding. Uh, in addition to the uh, previously confirmed Frozen 3, uh, making announcement from Hong Kong Disneyland, Iger said, well, I'll give you a little surprise. Frozen 3 is in the works. And there might be a Frozen 4 in the works, too. But I don't have much to say about these films right now. But uh, Jennifer Lee, who created Frozen, the original Frozen and Frozen 2, is hard work with her team at Disney Animation on not one, but actually two stories. <sighs> Come on, guys. Do original. Be like, yeah, I. they're probably going to do an original story with this. But just Go! Don't keep milking your IPs we, until we, they're dead. We don't need the Frozen cinematic universe. Yeah, exactly. Go back to the old days and pull out a book and do an adaptation from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's Come still on, plenty of books. There's still plenty of books to adapt. Yeah, exactly. And maybe not do every, remake everything into a live action film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Been, we've been saying this for years, but Disney's not listening. <laughs> Disney, we love your films, but come on, go back to you know the nineteen nineties, nineties, eighties, seventies, sixties, where you actually did stuff that wasn't uh, okay. Not here to rant about Disney's current situation, but moving on to another uh, studio that decided to shelf everything, and then all of a sudden. All of these projects are coming back. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. It's almost like maybe you should have, if you're not going to put it on your streaming service, you should be giving it to everyone else's streaming service to get it out there because, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because this is, are you sure you know what I'm talking about? Coyote versus Acme? Yes. Yes. I'm okay. aware of this thing. Okay. <laughs> but that got me to think, it's like, hmm. This is can't be these can't be the only movies that have just been abandoned. Yeah. Scoop holiday special. Well, yeah, that's I'm including that one mm-hmm. along with Batgirl and 
couple others. Yeah, the the uh, the Batman series. Which so is... I happened to do a Google search on abandoned films. Okay. Because I figure it's gonna be a list somewhere. You know, I'm expecting to see something. And specifically, I'm looking for things that were abandoned before they were released to theaters. Okay. So you know, technically. Song of the South doesn't count because it yeah. made it to theaters. theaters. Yeah. It wasn't abandoned until home video. Yeah. And I found out that most of the abandoned films, I mean, there's abandoned films going all the way up to 26, 2023. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But most of them are abandoned in pre-production. Very few actually make it to yeah, exactly. post-production. In fact, the last one I think I saw in post-production the reason they canceled it was because 9-11 happened. Oh, okay. And it was something that was related to that, and they couldn't fix it or something. I don't remember what it was. Okay, fair enough. It was, or something similar to that. But the thing is, it was also listening about how much it costs to make up to that point, how much money was spent on the film before mm. it was abandoned. Yeah. Guess what made the most expensive ones? What would that be? Discoveries. Discoveries, Discovery, Warner, Warner Brothers, Discoveries, twenty twenty three, set set heading to Max Films. Yeah. All of them were at the top of the list for how much money they lost mm -hmm. by not releasing these films and giving yeah. them a chance to make money. Because you had to get the insurance payment. Yeah. I'm just saying, if the rumors are true, that they are that this, these are rumors. Yeah. I have not seen anything but one guy claim that this is happening, that supposedly Paramount is getting ready to be sold and have its assets split between a bunch of different companies. Yeah. It's just like, I'd love to see actual evidence of that because they're coming back from a lot of things right now. Mm -hmm. It's not like it was back during the Bay Turtles era. Yeah. But um, if that's the case and Star Trek's getting sold to Warner Brothers, I'm going to be pissed. I can imagine. But anyway, continue. Anyways. All right. So speaking of movies that were previously, I actually like the idea of Coyote versus Acme. That looks like a fun. It movie. does. <laughs> it does. Uh, so speaking of uh, days after news broke that Warner Brothers is shelving the new hybrid hybrid animation film uh, Coyote versus Acme to get uh, to get a thirty million dollar tax write off. Industry heavyers praised the movie after attending a screening of the movie, which is now being shopped around to streaming platforms such as Amazon Video, Netflix, or Apple. Now, I would make happy with any of these people doing it. Now, the, I'd be the, happy with it actually releasing on Max. Just put it out. The the one Just that, don't put it on Roku channel. I can't watch there. The the one that I, I got the most chuckle out of was hold on let me find this guy's name because i want to give him proper credit where credit is due uh i think it's andre black comedy guy i think his name is i might be mistaken uh, yeah uh andre black comedy i know i know who yeah andre about. black comedy uh he mentioned this and he went on this very funny tirade and absolutely hysterical if you had a warner brothers movie get distributed on disney plus <laughs> I would die right here with laughter. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Pay the money. <laughs> pay the freaking money. <laughs> I don't care if you've got to spend three times the amount you would pay on a Marvel movie. Buy it. <laughs> yes, in a heartbeat. I, I agree with Andre about that. It's like, oh my gosh. Let yes. there have to be a reason on Disney Plus that we have to have 
movies involving wild E. Coyote as a category because that would officially make two. Because he was in. No, I'm sorry. He's not in Roger Rabbit, is he? He Either is for he is for like a frame. Okay. Yeah, he's in there for like I, think, a I, was, I, I was just thinking, wait a minute. They were aiming for for a early 40s era uh yeah. a, a, a com, a cartoons. And I think technically Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner are later than that. They are. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh yeah, I, I love that the idea of like Disney buying the rights to distribute a Warner Brothers animated movie. <laughs> that would be epic. <laughs> But uh, all right. So continuing on with movies that are coming out, uh, Ardman's uh, so the long-awaited uh, sequel adventure to uh, Chicken uh, Chicken Run is getting its sequel uh, starting December fifteenth on Netflix with Chicken Run: Dawn of the Nugget, which mm-hmm. is a very odd naming for a movie because the character's name is nugget okay well never mind then never because mind it's a little chicken nugget true okay which is a horrible, but, and it's a horrible, horrible which is making me think is mrs tweedy gonna be selling chicken nuggets is she working for the clown <laughs> it wouldn't be a chicken it'd be something else a mcnugget yeah yeah a mcnugget because you know what chicken mcnuggets run. are chicken run dawn of the mcnugget <laughs> Uh, official trailer and a clutch of new images have debuted this morning, giving fans something to really cluck about. I know the puns are terrible. All right. So we got another trailer. I don't know if you, I'd be like, we haven't discussed this one yet. Something about a certain cat on your table. I haven't had a chance to watch the trailer oh, really? yet. I, I saw the, the get posted the other day, but I was at work. Couldn't look uh, at it at that moment. And then I forgot about it. But this is the one with Chris Pratt as Garfield. Yes. Correctly. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> look, Bill Murray was a stretch for the voice of Garfield. Yes. I would accept Frank Welker, even though I'm not a big fan of his Garfield. Yeah. Because let's face it, nothing's going to beat the guy from the original cartoon. Sure. Whose name I can't think of, but he was on Laverne and Shirley, and that's all I remember. Uh, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't need Star-Lord Garfield. I'm sorry. <laughs> because here's the thing. As much as his Mario was okay, it wasn't Martinet it, or the new fair, guy. Fair. the Because the, the, Martinet is no longer doing it in the games now either. Yeah. But uh, I don't need, I don't need Chris Pratt telling me how much he hates Mondays and wants to eat lasagna. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Don't get me wrong. I like Chris Pratt as an actor, but he doesn't have much range. I have begun to notice. Okay. Fair. Fair. I say that knowing that he was in beyond, uh, uh, onward i mean and he did good there but anyway yeah so yes uh apparently drew has not watched this uh, this trailer yet so that'd be interesting yeah i have no idea what the voice sounds like if they let garfield speak oh yeah he speaks okay so we might have to do a reaction to the trailer we, we maybe we may have time afterwards yes uh so yes there was a trailer uh 
And uh, yes, about a lasagna, lasagna, lasagna. Sorry, lasagna. Loving uh, tabby cat. Uh, yeah, it's it's coming through. Uh, let's see, Columbia Pictures and Alcan Entertainment. Uh, so yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it because it discusses who voice actors are and who they play in the whole bit. So no. Um, so yeah, that movie's that trailer is out. I know I dropped it on the uh, the Facebook page for all you wonderful people to see. So going forward, and this one again from Andre from uh, Black Crimson Guy. I, th- I think we said black comedy, but it's black Andre, comedy. It's it's black nerd. I think yeah, black nerd. Cause, yeah, because he changed. It. It's, it's Andre Black Nerd comedy. Yeah. So uh, whatever he's, he he's he, still funny to watch. Yeah, he still is very funny to watch. I highly recommend you see his stuff. He's really good. Just don't go over there when the Smurfs are on because you don't want your eyes to go crazy with his cosplay. Oh gosh, I've seen that. <laughs> that so weird. All right, so uh, another show from our era uh because i know we've mentioned it we mentioned i, I think we we talked about it didn't we did i do that <laughs> yes we have <laughs> all right so uh the nerd t- nerdish hero from the sitcom the 90s sitcom family matters is getting a seasonal animated reprisal reprise of urkel saves christmas the movie Available to purchase on digital starting on November 21st from Warner Warner Bros. Discovery Home Entertainment. An all-new animated holiday movie mm. event. No, I'm I'm having a hard word saying be like the words are they're like not coming out of my mouth. I know what the word is, mm-hmm. but it just I fail. Let's start over. Click. The all-new animated holiday movie musical centered of the kind-hearted Steve Urkel, uh, voiced by its original by his original voice actor Joel White, along with uh, Nicole Breyer, Roy, Roy Roy Wood Jr. and Kim Whiteley. Uh, the special is one of the Warner Brothers animated projects dumped from the Max lineup after the Warner Bros. Discovery merger. The project was announced to be announced to come out on September of 2021. Uh, as yes, so it was one of these drop projects. And and then all of a sudden these are coming back. They're being released on different platforms, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, I love TGIF. I love Family Matters growing up, and um, it's like, yeah, and I think we did an audible for a certain. We may have changed some stuff out. Might have changed a few things out when this movie was, was announced. It's gonna be released. So yeah, that is all I have for in the news. All right. Well then, it's time to our run through a certain animated series. Though technically we finished last week, yes, but we're we doing a. Like, we felt we couldn't leave the realm of X Men, the animated series. Yes. Without looking at its original pilots. Yes. 
So join us on the other side for Pride of the X-Men. Previously on X-Men. Sulky, over funky, kinda hunky superhero. Hot to twisted and electrically transistored superhero. And exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. X-Men, Pride of the X-Men, is listed as releasing on September 16th, 1989. I say it that way because I don't think this actually aired. I think, no, it actually did air. It did air in some regions. Maybe so, but yes. The date it lists is September 16th, 1989. It was directed by Ray Lee and written by Larry Parr. Yes. Synopsis for this. Just as teenage mutant Kitty Pride is welcome to the X-Men, the team of mutant heroes are called into battle to prevent Magneto and his brotherhood of evil mutants from crashing a comet into the Earth. Mm-hmm. Getting into the cast. Starting off, we've got Stan the Man Lee yes. as the narrator. Yes. Reading what is basically what he wrote uh, back in Giant Size X-Men, if I remember yes. correctly. Uh, Michael Bell as Cyclops. Earl Bowen as Magneto. I am Magneto, Master of Magnet. <laughs> and before I go farther, I, I must say I've done some double checking because I was okay. trying to figure this out. That may actually be Earl Bowen. Okay. I say that because I can't find anywhere a cast list for the Konami game that this is from. Yeah. That this is based on, that that was based on this, on Pride of the X-Men. Yeah. And more than likely, they used, they would have probably used the sound clips. Probably. The only cast list I could find was for the 2014 redub. Why did you redub it? (laughs) There was a 24 redub of, of the Konami game. Oh, I was like, they redubbed this. No, 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 for what? No, no, no. The, the twenty. I think. I think it's a twenty. A two thousand ten. It was on Xbox three hundred and sixty. Uh, I got you. And they redubbed it. And I'm going. Why? <laughs> Leave it as is. Yes. Because we need the master of magnet. <laughs> and you can tell where they clipped that out of here. Yeah. And I still say the reason they did is because they must have been 
they, the, the, the lengths of the clips must have been for like the Japanese voices, and it just didn't quite work out when they put the English ones back in. But either way, Andy Chapman as Storm, mm-hmm. Pat Fraley as Pyro, Ron Gans as the Juggernaut, Dan Gilvezen as Colossus, Alan Oppenheimer as the Blob, Patrick Penny as Wolverine. Neil Ross as Nightcrawler, Susan Silo as the White Queen, Kathy Sushi as Kitty Pride, John Stevenson as Professor Charles Xavier, Alexander Stoddart as Dazzler. Who? Dazzler. Yeah, Dazzler. As, as in the, when I first saw her, I thought, why is Captain Marvel in this from 2012 <laughs> for 20, 2023 movie? Because <laughs> that's her costume, I swear. No, it's Dazzler's cartoon. The 80s. I know, I know. And last but not least, Frank Welker as both Toad and Lockheed, the dragon. Of course, he's Lockheed. That the the perfect the, sense, the, the, the the uh. So who played Toad again? Frank Welker. No, Toad played both Frank Welker and Lockheed. Oh, okay. Oh, the uh, the oh crap! What was it? Oh, can you see your list, Ravas? Yeah. This is the entire cast list. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, except I didn't put oh, in the general. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, the blob. Yeah. You're like, eh. Like, stinking X-Men. No, you get away from this. <laughs> As Skeletor. Yeah. And uh, the, the one that always got me was, uh, she ain't no X-Men. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to why he's Australian. Yeah, because from the, uh, 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 what was it? Spider-Man and Friends? Well, I'm getting to that. Yeah. Uh, but the one that kept confusing me while I was watching this was the voice of Kitty Pride because I, when I before I looked at the cast list, I'm thinking, why do I know this voice? Yeah, this voice is granted it's not. I'm, I'm not placing it immediately who it was, and then and then I did some look at found out it's Kathy Sushi and looked at what other roles she's famous mm-hmm. for, and she voices one of the twins on uh, Rugrats. Oh. Granted, I didn't watch Rugrats. Uh, yeah, neither. Lil, actually, yeah. but I've seen enough to those voices are kind of in my head. Yeah, and she's doing pretty much her little voice for for uh. Yeah, Kitty. I can hear that. And yeah, it's, and it's like it works, but wow, this is weird. It is, especially when she's crying in this thing. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, uh, getting into the trivia for this, Pride of the X Men was actually intended to be a test pilot for X Men the animated series. Mm-hmm. Much to the disapproval of many fans of the comics, Wolverine is portrayed with an Australian accent. No. Welcome her. Wait, she's not joining the X-Men, is she? She's just a kid. Wolverine. This is a continuation of how he was originally portrayed in Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yes. 1981 episode, A Fire Star is Born. Ironically, the role would be played years later by Australian actor Hugh Jackman to great acclaim. According to story editor Rick Hoberg, he gave Wolverine an Australian accent due to the Australian fad going on at the time, and it was planned for Logan to be Australian in the comics. However, Logan instead remained a Canadian. Okay, that makes sense. Funding for this pilot came from the budget of Mm. RoboCop from 1988, the Saturday morning cartoon. Instead of making a 13th episode of RoboCop, Marvel Productions decided to use the the funding to have Toei Animation produce the animation for this pilot instead. Yes, this movie, this episode was produced, was made by Toei. 
around the same time they were making Dragon Ball. Mm. And boy, can you tell. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The series for which this pilot was intended to launch never materialized. Shortly after this pilot was delivered, Marvel started having financial issues Mm -hmm. and stopped work on just about everything except for 1984's Muppet Babies. (laughs) Now, I love the look on your face when I said that. Muppet Babies. Oh, my gosh. My my brothers enjoyed this. I hate it. <laughs> now, granted, I, I was, I'm glad that since we started doing the shop, been able to uh, raise your thoughts on who the Muppets were. Yes, <laughs> since it's just not all Muppet babies. Yeah, point. exactly. Because they're again be like I've said this in the show. Be like my thing was like with Muppets, either it was Turtles the movie or Muppet mm-hmm. Babies, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is Muppets. I want nothing to do with it. But it was like. I've I been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again, but this be like, Muppets is good. Muppets right. is very good. Just, I probably need to go back and try to re-watch some don't, episode. Don't go back and re-watch Muppet Babies. <laughs> I know, they're it's, probably terrible. I understand why I liked it as a kid. Yeah, I'm not sure I could, much like all the quote-unquote mm-hmm. babies shows, I'm not sure I could sit through an episode anymore. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, anyway, this pilot was the last entry and effectively ended the animated Marvel Universe created by DePatty Freeling Enterprises and Marvel mm. Productions, which started with the Fantastic Four in 1978. Yes. Kitty, this is Kitty Pride's first adventure with the X-Men, is shown in the special. However, she has already appeared in the universe as Sprite and a member of the X-Men in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends 1981 episode, The X-Men Adventure. Therefore, this pilot had to take place before uh, before the events of the X-Men Adventure. Mm-hmm. In 1992, Konami produced an X-Men arcade game based on the Pride of the X-Men pilot. Mm-hmm. Up to six players could choose from six X-Men, including Cyclops, Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, or Dazzler. Mm-hmm. The objective is to stop the villainous Magneto from wreaking havoc on human civilization. They must fight through an army of human-sized sentinels, and supervillains such as Pyro, Blob, Wendigo, Nimrod, the White Queen, Juggernaut, and Mystique. Later, Magneto kidnaps Professor X and Kitty Pride, prompting the hero to go on a rescue mission. Mm-hmm. The heroes fight their way to Island M and ultimately to Magneto's base on Asteroid M, where the final battle with Magneto takes place. The Juggernaut, the evil stepbrother Professor Charles Xavier, is depicted as a member of the Brotherhood of Mutants in this. However, the character is not a mutant. Juggernaut's powers come from a gem he found in the Lost Temple of Sidorak, which its mystic power transformed Cain Marco into the human Juggernaut. This was mentioned in his previous appearance in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, A Firestar is Born. The pilot... the special featured a theme song, an intro sequence that was made of footage from the from the special. The lyrics to the theme song of this uh, for this series were written by X Men co creator Stan Lee. Hmm. Makes sense. Lastly, the alien dragon that was shown to be a pest on Asteroid M is Lockheed. Lockheed. Kitty Pride managed to take Lockheed with her when she escaped the asteroid with the X Men. In the comics, Lockheed is typically depicted as a companion or pet of Kitty Pride. Yes, unless. You're looking at the the movie The New Mutants, where it's being con- it's a where Lockheed is a friend with uh, Colossus's sister. Not that you know she's related to Colossus. I hate The New Mutants. I haven't seen it. I don't, heard it was bad. Don't watch it. 
it is trying so hard to be a Zack Snyder film. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that was the time period. And granted, I understand the thought process, but it shouldn't have been. It should have just been a fun movie with mutants yeah. with X-Men. Granted, you're still talking about something based on Rob Liefeld, and that has so much weird. It was the 90s. It. It's the 90s, it the, yeah. Yeah. Bless you, Rob Liefeld. You gave us such meme-worthy content. <laughs> anyway, yes. what are your thoughts on this? Oh, my gosh. Uh, this was great. I, I enjoyed it. There again, I had watched before. I had a friend who worked, uh, previously worked wire work, and uh, she mentioned it. I was like, ooh, this is interesting. So I looked it up, and I was like, oh, this is really good. And um, I enjoyed it because there again, uh Wolverine as an Aussie was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, what in the world's happening here? This isn't Wolverine. Like, obviously, later on, you Jackman would do the world in the live action films. But he does a Canadian accent. He does a Canadian accent. It's like, hey, bub, instead of, hey, you, <laughs> let's put another shrimp on, on the, the Bobby. Like, oh, Jesus, cringy. Cringe beyond belief, but I just say where did you know I fought World War II with Captain America against the against Hydra and the Red Skull? You went total. I went German for some reason. (laughs) No, you you went Cockney. I went went Cockney, and then I went German. (laughs) I went into my Professor Verboten accent that I can't do anymore because Gospel by Gaslight is dead. But oh well, it's dying. I should say. Uh, it's going to die. <laughs> oh, fun. Bless your heart, Brad, uh, Branson. <laughs> I did but, have fun. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh Nightcrawler, oh my gosh, he just came across the creepiest character ever. No wonder Katie was like, get away from me, you freak. <laughs> Not the fact that he, like he was a mutant and blue. It was the fact that how much it seemed like he was flirty with her. What these are weird about that is like, I swear, this is the same voice actor who had to play them in X in the animated series because he sounded exactly the he, same. He, do, he does sound similar. I was just like, his approach is like, first thing, it's like, oh, hi, Fraulein. It's like, it's, oh, crap. It's like, aren't you supposed to be a Catholic monk <laughs> instead of flirty with this you teenage girl? <laughs> But be like, I, I love how they approach it where Katie comes in and she's introduced to everybody and they introduce everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're again, a, uh, an, Auss- an Aussie Auss- Wolverine so, is still funny to me. What's weird about this is I'm convinced they must have also made a like a children's novelization mm. of this special because I remembered this story even though I didn't watch it until last week. Okay. I remember this entire really? thing i remember kitty pride phasing through the computer and screwing everything up yeah and all that stuff but i swear i've never watched this before wow and, I'll be like, and, I, 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 and I read a children's novelization of uh giant size x-men too so i was like really i know they ex- these things existed but yeah i swear i don't remember i i've never seen this huh but overall bell i enjoyed it i enjoyed the like um you have this very odd tensional like tense relationship between uh kirk or uh nightcrawler and kitty and uh it's like the way he's the way he's willing to sacrifice himself and the way that kitty kind of pulls him out of the situation which is great and um i just i wish they would have brought kitty pride back because they never do anything with her (laughs) 
Even the movie, she's in the second to... one. For... Hang, hang on. Hang, hang. It's Kitty. <laughs> Kitty did come back in X-Men Evolution. She was the That's main right. character in That's that. right. She was. That's but right. That she... being said, do you know why Kitty didn't come back for X-Men the animated series? Because of this. Because Jubilee. That is true. They decided to turn Kitty Pride into Jubilee, Jubilee and then have them both show up in in and back as background characters in the first X-Men film. That's right. And the second X-Men film. The second X-Men film. <laughs> and the third. Well, and the fourth. Well, at least and the, the fifth. At least the second one also had Colossus. Yes. Uh like I, I know, and I liked and I liked Colossus in this. <laughs> yes, Colossus was awesome. Uh, the because I know, uh, like the 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 hard the, to believe. The, hard to believe in the comics. He eventually is is uh, married to Kitty. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember hearing <laughs> that. But uh, overall, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the 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 sinisterness of the villains. They're because uh, they're again Magneto is great uh juggernaut he's not a mutant but it was like okay whatever and the white queen and the white queen i and love I, the white queens to be like so it's the, like the throwing telepathic about, bolts it's right and, and i'm watching at that going would they have gotten away with her costume and in, in the late 80s early 90s and then i think back to so many power rangers villainesses uh-huh go yeah they'd have gotten away with that <laughs> yeah true <laughs> so true be like the fact that this was animated by toei <laughs> oh that it being Toei doesn't spook me because it's like no. I'm sure they did a lot worse with their stuff. That, oh you yeah, know, I can't think of it. I'm sitting there going, I understand why the running joke was, "What skimpy outfit can we get Madam Frost in this episode?" Uh huh. This this in, in this issue, yeah. Madam yeah. Frost is the other name for her. Yeah. Uh huh. But overall, I that, enjoyed it. And then she was Wolverine's sister in X Men Origins. Wolverine somehow. Huh? You don't remember that, do you? I, I, I'm trying to save his sister from what the Weapon X program, you know, in that movie. I vaguely remember that and plot. She turns into Emma Frost. Emma Frost. I don't remember and that. And then Emma Frost is in the next film, Days of not Days, uh, X Men, uh, the first class. Yeah, first class. As a fully grown adult, so it's like, what's going on? That's not the same character. <laughs> it's not. But. I don't remember that about X-Men Origins at all. I, bar- I remember very little. I just remember watching that and going, that's not who she is. <laughs> you can't just make up crap like that. I well, say of Fox. the film that decided the best thing to do with Deadpool oh. was to sew his mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm just saying, as much as I hate bone claws, that's not the worst thing to come out of this film. No, <laughs> and we're not even talking about that one. Back to Pride of the X Men. Yeah, it's 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 a great, wonderful little show. You can go watch it on um, YouTube. Because <laughs> right, it still hasn't officially been released by nobody. Disney Plus. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. My version that I watched was said it was released by the Best Video Corporation. Yes, same here. <laughs> And I love how it starts off with a first a commercial for Spider-Man video games. Yes. And then it does and a, then a PSA to tell you to go vote. Yeah. For Spider-Man. Who was this, vi- who was this video clip for? <laughs> Kids are probably the ones people you're selling this to because it's an X-Men cartoon. Yes. And you're telling them to go register to vote? vote? They can't. <laughs> They're not 18. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Oh, and then the yeah. best video corp has such a 90s title card. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it is it is it is a piece of nostalgia to what if. Oh yes. And I enjoyed the Mesa. I thought it was great. Uh highly recommend to anybody who is an X-Men fan or enjoyed X-Men the animated series to go watch this and have your fun with an Australian with an Australian accent wolverine mm. and it is just a and fun captain marvel who's not captain marvel yeah dazzler oh dazzler. my gosh dazzler this is the only time dazzler has been a has been shown in an in, in a in a in a x-men no 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 no, 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 no. In, a, in a cartoon or television show uh, okay what are you about to tell me dazzler was in x-men the animated series okay but she was not part of the team. No, she That's wasn't. What I was but saying. she was in it. She's not part of the X-Men team. True. Okay. This is the only time okay. she's Fair. shown as part of the X-Men team. And besides, that Dazzler and this Dazzler are two entirely different people. Okay. That's the that Dazzler was the one that was supposed to be the disco queen that they Marvel couldn't get off the ground for 20 years. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and so they threw her in here. They threw her in the 80s team to do something with her. Well, and then she got thrown into this show, which is like, she, she doesn't do anything in this. They most, most of what she does is in her introductory sequence where they're sure. showing us who she is. It's like, oh, that's Dazzler's power? She can uh -huh. convert sound into disco lights? I knew yeah. that already. Yeah. It's, and it's technically a forceful thing, but yeah. Oh, the, the, the funny thing, because I think it's the uh, the introduction, they're starting to go through and showing the clips of the characters. Oh, yeah. You see Gambit. Gambit's not in this show. <laughs> I have to go back and watch that yeah, again. Yeah, you see Gambit. Because I don't remember Gambit being there. Yeah. I remember so many other things. <laughs> now, I, here, here's a question. I know you like the Jim Lee character designs yes. for X-Men the Animated mm -hmm. Series. What did you think of this much older character designs for this? Uh, the 80s designs be like, I have... this is based on basically the giant size X-Men design. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, except for Cyclops, who is still rocking his 1960s look. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> With two eyes in his visor. <laughs> it was the 80s. <laughs> it was the 80s designs. But I enjoyed it. The uh, brown-suited Wolverine with his Australian accent. Yes. Um. Uh, I I enjoyed it. Be like, it's okay. I first watched. It, I was like, that's Wolverine. He's got a brown suit. It's like, oh yeah, he had a brown suit at one point. Yeah, but uh, and he like, rocked it again in X Men and the and the uh, Wolverine and the X Men. I think. Yeah, he did. Uh, like everybody else was like, okay, and then you had Dazzler. It's like, okay, who's Dazzler? And then it's like, oh, this is who this character is. And uh, yeah, it was like, okay, Kitty's cool. Then you realize, oh yeah, the Dragon's Lockheart and Lockheed. I, Lockheed. And I I know exactly what I'm gonna do for the next cover. Okay. exactly because it's good I, I think i've got an idea i've just got to find a lot of image references of lockheed and then find arietti and then boom lockheed's gonna be eating arietti isn't he <laughs> or is arietti gonna be riding lockheed exactly <laughs> while they're chasing down a crow <laughs> or the cat Maybe that too. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is fun. Go check it out. Yes, go watch and it on YouTube somewhere. As much as I have loved watching through X Men for the uh -huh. past year, because literally we are one month shy of a year on this. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. Oh man, oh, my. Um, I am so glad that we are finally moving on. Yes, 
to something well maybe not as fun well <laughs> be before we do that i would say that we we've had a very interesting run through x-men because obviously season one was great season two season three was amazing you get season four, four which, which is okay season four had the better ending yeah and, and then, then you get five. five oh my gosh i i've never wanted to conclude a series in my life so quickly when we finished and, up x-men season it was five only five of our episodes yeah on disney Plus. and it took so long i barely it feels like beyond good and evil was so long ago and it was just october yeah <laughs> exactly so yeah it has been a, a a lovely ride through nostalgia through watching something that that was both of our childhood yeah and and, um, and we now feel sufficiently prepped yeah for x-men 97 when it comes out next year yeah at some point i've heard early next year oh, okay but we'll see they and haven't the, actually given a date and now we're going into another series well, this is more of a you thing, though. Yeah. I agree. I need to watch this at some point. Uh -huh. And all I can say is this is eventually going to lead to us reviewing a movie with a lot of orange juice. Yes. So we're not going to jump into that immediately after finishing Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes. And I know we, we've mentioned to a bunch of our podcast friends who are like, oh, can I jump in at some point? <laughs> really? Because all I've heard is, oh, that's that's not that, that all i can say is emotional damage <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah the thing is though is i actually do like this director and things i've seen of his yes after, uh, since then uh-huh like uh the the shin series of super of uh tokusatsu films uh, -huh. uh shin godzilla shin ultraman and shin common rider mm -hmm. but and i've tried in the past to watch evangelion yeah and I think I got 10 episodes in the last time I tried, hmm. but it's not something I immediately want to jump back into. So the only Fair. way I'm going to finish it is if we have to watch it for this. It's against my will. It's against my will. It's against it my will. It really feels this way. <laughs> You're welcome. For the five people who actually know what uh, Rune Knight is. <laughs> We should make that a shirt just because. <laughs> uh, In anyway, we, we could sell that to all the reformed people too. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, y'all have fun looking at that. Looking, looking up reformed theology. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Join us next week, or not, well, in two weeks, weeks, yes, for the first two episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Along is, with uh, Angel's Attack and... That's what I'm trying to get to, because uh, it's Angel Attack and Unfamiliar Ceilings, yeah, if you're going off of the English titles. Yes. I say that because when I made this list up, it gave me the English title, because there's both a Japanese title uh -huh. and an English title. Yeah. They were on all the title cards. Yes. And this gave me the translation for all of them. Oh, wow. Which is, in most cases, is not that different. Yeah. So I think for this, this, until you get to like episode 12, and then it's like, those two things have nothing to do with each other. I'm not sure I got that right. Yeah. So we're going to do something a little different with this one because normally yeah. we'll do uh, the same, we'll do the English dub. And we so, are doing the English dub. But yeah. The thing is, there's two English dubs. dubs. 
you're watching the ADV version that you have uh-huh. on DVD. Uh-huh. So actually, let's be more specific. You're watching the Silver Box, right? Yes, Silver Box. The Ultimate Edition? Yes. That has a different voice cast? Yes. Than the original ADV dub? Yes. I looked this up. I've been doing my research. Uh-huh. I have the entire cast list for all of Evangelion lists on here because do you know how hard it was to find a place that I could easily research this on a weekly basis? <laughs> and yeah, there is a original ADV dub. There's director's cut uh, D- AV- ADV mm-hmm. dub, which is the one you're actually going to be looking at. Some of the actors are the same. Yeah. And then the Netflix dub, which I'm going to be yes. actually talking about. So be ready to actually hear us say the same. It's going to take us a while to go through cast lists. That's all I'm going yeah. to say. Shinji getting a stupid robot. <laughs> yes. With your limited animation before you get in the robot. Yeah. Anyway, join us next week for those along with, of co- or not next week, in two weeks, on, along with a much lighter <laughs> movie Otter. to go along with it. Otter. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how to end that <laughs> thought. Either way. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron and his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's cell with a single L. No X Men. She's a power. <laughs> I know that it was took terrible. me a second to catch what that last word was. Bower, bower, yeah, bower. Because literally, it sounded like you said baller, and I'm thinking, what? <laughs>